Hello, and welcome back to the penultimate episode of The Long Christmas. I'm Eva, and I've just finished my 23rd watch of a film in the Christmas Prince franchise this December. Wait, is my microphone all the way up, or am I just far away? I'm just far away, and that's the answer. Um, yeah, watch 23. Pretty good. Um, I beat Hades, um, so I've been playing uh, Hades, uh, most people's game of the year I think well with publications at least and definitely my game of the year and I was trying I've been trying to beat it first so I can sort of well beat it as in beat your first run I don't want to spoil anything because it's definitely a game that you should go into completely blind if you can um and I don't want to turn this into a gaming podcast but yeah it's it's pretty cool that during uh, this podcast, I've I've managed to beat both Hades and Pokemon Shield. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Like, mm, maybe maybe I should. No, I think it's fine for me to be doing stuff whilst I'm doing like. I don't think it's mindless, but with stuff like that, and I think um, it's a, you get in a similar situation with stuff like Dark Souls and, and Bloodborne. Sorry to mix the game and podcast again, but um, you end up sort of being able to do it on reflex, like. It, I'm, I don't want to brag, but I'm not bad at games like this. Anyway, should we get straight into it and talk about security in the world of The Christmas Prince? So, obviously, in the first film, Amber manages to sneak into the palace fairly easily. This is even referenced when, after the treaty is stolen, when Queen Helena says that we sh- we've, um, I talked about updating security protocols after, she, after well, you snuck in. Um, and... Obviously, the treaty itself gets stolen, and and a bunch of other stuff happens, um, which probably you wouldn't get away with in real-life monarchies. I know these are meant to be Christmas films, but the complete lack of security that any of the uh, royals have in th- this world is interesting, and I don't know, really suggests something about the world um obviously the monday monday world is incredibly heavily securitized i don't know if that's the right word but that's mostly down to 911 and and the patriot act in america and whatever our equivalent is we have one i can't remember the name this isn't a political podcast but yeah so and obviously in real life there is an extensively long history of um assassination attempts on monarchs probably the most famous in britain in modern british history i can think of is um when someone tried to shoot queen victoria in hyde park i'm sure there were some against queen elizabeth ii probably the ira tried it at some point but um yeah it's it feels strange to me that these these royals especially okay I'm going to assume, for all intents and purposes, that Aldovia, Panglia, and Belgravia are not as large as the maps dictate. Uh, In my head, what I'm kind of thinking at this point is that the seven provinces that they speak of of Aldovia... Well, like, uh, um, Aldovia was one of the constituent countries of, sort of, Aldovia. And it had a little empire, like Panglia and Belgravia did, and then all three of them have essentially lost most of it and now are fairly small 
kingdoms, because they mentioned that neither of them had a standing army as well, which, given that they're in Eastern Europe, is particularly interesting, because you'd think that, obviously, there are security threats there in real life um, for most countries. Most countries in that region are slightly spooked, at least, of a risk of, Rus- of Russian invasion. Um, most countries... There are countries that don't have standing armies, but they tend to be countries which are forced into that situation. So Japan used to have a very tiny standing army um, until Shinzo Abe started to do his things and enlarge their army and start actually sending them out. Um, Obviously, there's countries like Iceland. Iceland has no military at all and no navy either, which... um, but they rely on other countries for their defence. Um, so, but I'm not talking about that, that sort of national security. What I'm more talking about is the individual security. Like, we never once see, um, like, a security guard following Amber and Richard or any of these people when they're just out. Like, they, there's at least one scene in most of the Christmas Prince films and extended universe where the main characters go to something resembling a Christmas it's usually a Christmas market but there are some other ones there's the um orphanage thing in the first one I can't remember Christmas a princess switch one well enough but there are things in all of them where um they're just wandering around in public and they have no like security guards or security bodyguards whatever the word is with them which like i don't i'm not complaining well i kind of am complaining that's most of what this podcast is it's me complaining about it's me nitpicking in like a way that really isn't great but um yeah so hmm the fact they don't have security guards implies to me that something is different about that world i don't know exactly what that's the problem like there's the fact they feel safe enough to go out in public without security guards implies that it's been such a long time since um, there was an assassination attempt on the monarch, and the world is relatively peaceful. I would I would assume that terrorism is less of an issue in in the in the Christmas Prince world, although there are countries in in the, the real world where where the Prime Minister or the President or whatever will just wander around like and live a relatively normal life like without constantly being shepherded around in armoured cars like the American President or our Prime Minister or whatever. Like That is a thing that is possible in some countries and I guess maybe Aldovia is just one of those countries and the same with Belgravia because in, Bel- in uh, blah, Montanaro, that's the other one, um, another big thing, like, even though security is fairly lax, like, so much stuff happens that you'd think would make them want to raise security. Obviously, there's the, um, the, uh, Amber issue and, uh, the treaty being stolen and stuff like that. But at the same time, over in Montanaro, and obviously this happens, <sighs> sorry, it happened a year after the events of Royal baby. So obviously this couldn't have played a part yet, but the queen, quote unquote, of Montanaro was literally kidnapped at a royal reception for a charity benefit. 
So, like, there is a real risk to these individuals in this universe. But at the same time, they don't seem to have any security. I guess it would be kind of ruin the atmosphere of the films if every scene had just security guards in the backgrounds. But, I mean, the, like, background servants do that kind of do the same thing for me. So, I don't know. Um... I'll be honest, because I was in like such a good run of Hades today, I may or may not have taken very few notes. That was a note from yesterday. Um, I've only in total taken four notes. The first one, how on earth, sorry I moved close to the mic then, how on earth was, did Amber just have no clue, like, that Andy and Sahil have a multi-billion dollar business? Like, Sahil was already a very respected wedding designer, as he says. Wedding planner is probably the best term for it. And given they've expanded to, like, other events, they're probably doing massive events, like... And also, she talks to her friends, presumably. Like, in the last film, I talked about how maybe it's it's weird she doesn't know that Aldovia's having these financial problems and she finds out from a fucking newspaper at the airport. All this one has to be explicit. Let's put a big E on my notes. I used to mark all of these explicit, but I don't anymore, because I figure it, um, um, how, your podcast being explicit perhaps may limit it being promoted, I don't know, I'm not paying for this thing to be promoted, but anyway, yeah, it feels strange, like, that she hasn't talked to Andy, or Eddie as he calls her in one, as she calls him in one scene. He's called Andrew. They mostly refer to him as Andrew or Andy. Um, except for the one time she calls him Eddie. According to the subtitles, maybe it's just that in Swedish, they don't call him Andy and they call him Eddie instead for some reason. <sighs> oh, boy. Uh, let's not turn this into a weird melange of languages. Um, but yeah, it feels... Amber, I, Amber doesn't have great communication skills. She's unaware of how close um, Melanie and Simon are. She just doesn't speak to people. She has completely no clue about what anyone close to her has going on in her their lives. Either because she's so self-involved, or she just is, like, bad at keeping up with friends. I mean, to be honest, I can't criticise her, because I'm kind of the same. Hmm... But it, what was the other, I, I was about to say something and then it just completely left me. Something about Amber, yeah, she's a journalist, you'd think she, well, she claims to be a journalist, she does very little actual journalism, she does a bit of, what she's doing in this film is more like being a, be a P, a private detective than it is being a, being a journalist, and when she says journalism, she, she, she did one, she did one article once that never got published in a newspaper, and now she does blogs. By that logic, I am essentially a journalist, because I have a blog. Admittedly, I'd get nowhere near as many views as Amber does, but... Yeah. Um... Yeah, I just think Amber's completely... She shouldn't call herself a journalist. Um... I do enjoy that whilst Amber's in the first stage of labour, she... She's sitting on the ball, on the the maternity ball. I think it's a yoga ball. 
I don't know. Oh, she's sitting on the ball with um, two of the peeps holding her up. Um, but the, the the rest of um, the cast, the main cast of this film, are just sitting in the next room, like, essentially watching or listening to her. Like, I get that it's a big thing, and they're also waiting for the treaty to be returned. But, I don't know, maybe they could, like, go and watch TV or something whilst, um, whilst it... While she's doing that, like, it can't be a, a great experience for anyone involved. Like, I mean, I guess, like, Simon... I I feel like this mo- this film treats um, Simon giving Amber the stress balls as, like, a way bigger character moment than it is. Like, it's a nice gesture that Simon does, but I don't think it, like, is the biggest thing that... Um, the, in the world. Speaking of Simon, and I know I speak of Simon a lot, but, um, but I do think by this film, like, even though, like, uh, Emily and he are, like, <laughs> like, still talk antagonistically to each other, it definitely feels, like, loving and jokey at this point, and I really enjoy, like, like, Emily is definitely the first person who, when Simon, she's told Simon did it, she's like, really? Are you sure? Like, she doesn't say that, but, like, her tone of voice implies it, and I'm, like, extrapolating from that slightly. Uh, but yeah, I like that. I like that even though she's, she does, like, want to beat Simon every opportunity and, uh, does joke about his, uh, about how much she dislikes his, his continued presence. They do seem to have, like, a genuinely quite loving relationship at this point. And I'm here for that. Um, Speaking of Emily as well, she has some really, really good outfits in this film. The one that she's wearing on the day of the um, original day of the treaty signing is really good. Like, I really... It's like the, the red jacket with like black shoulder pads is like a look that I really appreciate and her hair looks really nice in this film that's like the one like fashion thing that really stands out to me I mean that's costume design like none of the others have like particularly incredible costumes but hers look really good I really like her styles in this film and yeah well then this penultimate episode here we got one more episode tomorrow where we'll finish off maybe I'll talk a bit about the future of um, this podcast and of the Christmas Prince franchise um, and of other stuff. Um, so yeah, I've been Aoife. If you've enjoyed this, you can um, go find me on Twitter at Panda or the uh, podcast Twitter, which you'll find um, linked in the description. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. That's linked in the description because I can't remember my name off the top of my head. Um, you can follow my blog. I'm going to try and actually finish some stuff for it before Christmas. Hopefully. We've got two days. Um, uh, bu- 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 Patreon. Patreon, if you really want to support what I'm doing. I'm, go- I'm also going to try and post more Patreon content there. Or maybe um, early early blog posts and stuff. If I can get in back into a more regular rhythm of posting stuff. Um, you can email me, thelonghalloweenpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you've got anything you want to say about this podcast, um, this season, last season, whatever, I'd be happy to hear anything. 
and yeah rate um and share the podcast if you can i would really i really appreciate that in any form i like those are the best ways for me to get more listeners and more listeners is just something that makes me happy and yeah so um i'll see you guys tomorrow on christmas eve for our final episode of the long christmas i'll see you tomorrow Bye bye